0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl.
1: And I am Barbara Wojan and this is episode 34. I cannot believe still at it. It's, uh... Pretty awesome. 34, man. I can remember when we were saying we were 20. Now we're 34.
0: (laughs) I can barely remember when we were saying we were 33.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's because you've been on vacation for a month. Just saying.
0: Yep. So what a lot of people don't know is Barb and I actually haven't even spoken much in the last three weeks. I know you missed me a lot.
1: I did. I did. I was very jealous. That's the
0: magic of podcasts. We pre-recorded a couple episodes because I took a big trip down to Ecuador, the Galapagos Islands, Peru. If you go over to the Voices from the Bench Facebook page, there's a couple pictures of me sporting a shirt in some famous places.
1: I saw them. That's pretty neat. Ooh, ooh. We get. We can get a plug in from down south.
0: Yeah, there you go. And we actually had some downloads. It was funny. You know, I told you that I put our episode to play at the hotel computer in Peru. So it would have played <laughs> that one episode. But I swear to yeah. you, now we have six downloads from Peru. So... Cool, man. I don't That's know awesome. if somebody saw my shirt. I don't know if they just hit play again on the computer or do the... Or if they were
1: just trying to hit delete, delete, delete. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in Peru, the, the uh, stop button is the play button. So there you go.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was funny.
0: So last week, we had a roundtable discussion with the presidents of different state associations. And on the second part, we actually talked about who comes into the laboratories to do the yearly inspections. At the time, we figured it was the organization that does the restaurants, Mm -hmm. which turns out is called the Department of Business and Professional Regulations. Thanks to Bennett Napier from Partners in Association Management, he pointed out that the Florida dental labs are actually inspected by the Department of Health that does other medical facilities. So I apologize for the misinformation. I feel a little bit better now knowing that people in the medical field are inspecting labs. I don't know if it's perfect. It's better.
1: And we always appreciate um, getting an email from Bennett, letting us know the goods and the bads and the evils. And we appreciate it when we're right. And we appreciate it when we're wrong. So thank you,
0: Bennett. Yeah, I actually told him that he's going to be our editor from now on. I'm just going to send him <laughs> the episodes before so he Somebody can point out.
1: you in line, It's obviously not me. So <laughs> I don't know what
0: I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> I don't even know where the hell you get that information, but I'm glad that you clarified. So Yeah,
0: thanks again, Bennett. We appreciate it. Yep. So this episode brings in two gentlemen who have an interesting business that helps labs figure out through their current clients what they excel at and what they can improve on. The company is called Labworthy, and their data collection can be a powerful tool used in any dental laboratory's marketing or growth. So please join Trevor Willenberg and John Schwartz from Labworthy, as they discuss how you can help with client turnover and improving your overall client experience. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. I'd like to thank Trevor Willenberg from Labworthy. He contacted us via info at voicesfromthebench.com with an interesting concept, and he brought with him the CEO of Labworthy, John Schwartz, and these gentlemen uh, actually kind of do a, a, a different twist on our industry. They—I don't even know how to explain it. What exactly do you guys do? <laughs> and there's the nervous well, laugh.
2: <laughs> there's, the, there's my nervous laugh.
3: Oh boy, thanks. Now I'm really self-conscious. <laughs> no worries. Um, and there's my first um. So there, so, so, yeah. so there, there we have it. I've been in the, the dental industry most of my life, actually. My, my dad was in it. My my whole family's been in it, but primarily on the media side. And for about the last 15 years, I've been on the media side in various roles, selling advertising for dental product support, and then moving on to an online uh, startup uh, called uh, Dental Compare, and then finally taking the top job over at DPR and, and as a vice president running dental and eye care. Uh, at, for UBM, the the parent company, and anyhow, in this entire experience, one of the things that I I noticed in every meeting that I was in, whether it was with an advertiser or internally, is that everybody seemed to think they knew dentists. Everybody wanted to tell me that you know, well, dentists don't go on the internet, or dentists only read print, or dentists only do that, and I always had a hard time sort of believing all that. I always wondered where that information came from. And it got me to thinking that maybe the quality of information about dentists and their buying habits and um, kind of how they run their practice might not really be up to snuff. And that potentially we're not connecting all the dots that we need to connect to be more effective in how we operate as businesses in this industry. So one of the, one of the other things I did when I was at DPR is I ran our dental uh, lab products group, DLP, Dental Lab Products Magazine. And, and some other things. And I would spend time with labs. And they too sort of had these issues that were very specific to the lab market that they would face. And obviously, we know that the lab market is going through tremendous change right now. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, what I set out to do when I started this company was to really figure out what are the blind spots in data that could help labs be more successful. And the big one that I found was the idea of loyalty. So how loyal are my customers? And we wanted to find a way to measure that and give that data back to the labs so they could segment their customer base from sort of most loyal, awesome promoter customer all the way down to someone who is probably in the process of churning out of their business um, or or leaving the lab altogether. (laughs) So... We built a platform using Net Promoter Score to measure this loyalty across customers and then feed that back as insights to labs. Mm-hmm. Broadly speaking, what our company does is we use you know, vertical specific data and artificial intelligence to solve problems like uh, attrition and new customer growth in healthcare. So lab is really our first market and, and sort of the one that's near and dearest to my heart. But we're also in the dental manufacturer market. And just recently in the last month, we've gotten into providing the solution for dentists. So sorry, that's probably a long winded way of explaining what I'm I hope you can edit that down. But, but no, but this is this is what we do at lab. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you're using a lot of terms that seem specific to your industry. What is NPS? What is it?
3: Yeah. So uh, NPS NPS is, is shorthand for Net Promoter Score. And Net Promoter Score was developed in about 2004 by the really smart people at Bain Consulting. And it, essentially, they were looking for one single metric that would tell you what the loyalty of your customer was. And they needed to make it very, very simple. So it comes down to a very simple question, which is, How likely are you to refer my lab to a friend or a colleague on a scale of 1 to 10? That's it. That's it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Boom. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Drop the mic. Yeah. Um, So so when people fill that out, though, there's this very, very sort of elegant science behind it that is able to tell you, okay, people who do a 10 – are your promoters. They are sort of your ideal customers. They're the most likely to bring in new customers for you. So hold these people closely. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you have your detractors who are anywhere from a one to a six. And these are people that are most likely telling other people negative things about your business. Mm. Also, within the next 60 to 90 days, they're most likely to churn out of your business. And as we all know, these people don't leave you a goodbye note or, or typically a reason why they're leaving. They just quietly leave the business and start to work with another lab or several other labs. Never happens. So, yeah, it never happens, <laughs> right? You keep all your customers.
1: <laughs> so are there labs surveying their customers with this score and then this score comes to you and then you give that information to them?
3: Oh, so yeah. So, so actually what we do is we do the end-to-end for them. They sign up with us and we actually either through an API into their uh, software uh, into their uh, lab management mm-hmm. software or through through an export we'll reach out to all of their customers on their behalf with that email and or text message mm-hmm. and then the customers will say you know 1 through 10 and then we ask them a follow-up question which is please give the biggest reason for your for your score and you know and this is where it gets really interesting because this is where we find out things like, you know, your delivery driver is the guy that's driving most of your positive sentiment in the business.
0: Uh-huh.
3: And, and that's <laughs> actually the case for a couple of our clients, you know, like, like, and it's like, whoa, this guy, this guy has a, has a really big impact on our business. Or you find out that, you know, you thought you were losing customers because of price or, you know, Glidewell came in and gave low credit, whatever it was. Right. But no, actually it's because you're not following directions. So, what we do is we're able to drive those insights back to the lab so they can start to make substantial business decisions around how they operate, how they market, those types of things. And then we can track that net promoter score for their business over time. So they can see, they can actually measure their improvement. And then what we do, and probably more interesting to your listeners, is we have a benchmark across the industry so we can say that you know as of you know this morning the average nps score for the industry is somewhere around 52 and that's down from a low, from a high of like 62 uh, a couple months ago so we create a benchmark that labs can look look at their score and benchmark against the industry so when you get those scores
1: back, if it's a one to six, like you were saying, a negative, somebody that's a detractor, I think is how you put it. Do you have any recommendations to the lab on, hey, if you score a one to six, this is this is yep. what we recommend or this is what we found or how do they use the lower
3: score? Oh, such a good question. And this is where Curious Labs can really, really improve their business. Um, the first thing that we recommend is to reach out as fast as possible. Time is really, really vital, uh-huh. so the, the stats in the consumer world tell us that if you reach out to a detractor within like twenty four hours, you have a ninety percent chance of keeping that customer and so there's a, there's a time thing that's going on where you want to get to those people quickly. The other thing that you, you want to do immediately is to acknowledge that there's a problem, and you know the, you know the whole thing about the customer is always right and so forth, but keep in mind these are people who have had a negative conversion experience around your business. They've gone from maybe liking your business to not liking it. There's probably an emotional factor at play here. They were having a tough day. Things weren't getting seated. You know, patients were backed up. They had a problem with their hygienist. A million things going on before they get to your MPS survey. You want to acknowledge that you probably had a role in their bad day. And that tends to... (laughs) Sort of put them on level with you. We're like, okay, thank you for acknowledging that. Now let me tell you what my issue is. And then you want to listen very closely to what their issue is and be very understanding about that issue and go to work as fast as you can resolving that issue if it's resolvable. If not, sometimes just a really sincere and in-person or over-the-phone apology or conversation can turn the tide in their mind. Typically, people don't follow up with these surveys. That's that that's that's the problem. They'll send people like to send out lots of surveys, and you know, if you're in the marketing department, that's like job security. Hey, I sent out the survey. You know, did my job. Yeah, it's all uh-huh. good. But it's the labs that we've worked with that go that extra mile to make sure that the the, the customer feels heard that tend to benefit from that.
2: Yeah, it all comes down to action on their part, really. I mean, we, I think what we do is we give them the data to act on and we can talk with them about it, but it all comes down to how do they react to those sentiments. Yep.
1: I would think that if they bring your company in to do a survey like that, that their clients are pretty important to them and that's, that using that intelligence probably benefits their customer satisfaction and grows their business.
3: One hundred percent. That's what we believe. At the same time, what we what we really try and do, we have two things that we do to help sort of give a resource to the lab in doing that. Because you know, as we all know, it's not like labs have most labs have these big marketing and customer you know happiness departments, right? There's nobody who's like has a title yeah. of like customer happiness person. It might be somebody on the bench. It might be you know the, the front office person. So what we do is we have a, a, a program called Automations and What our automations do is, let's say that somebody comes in and they have a low NPS score. We know they have a problem. What we'll do is send them an automated email that goes out that's customized. It's kind of automated customization. And it'll say, you know, hey, Elvis, we saw that you had an issue with our lab. We're very sorry about that. Let us buy you a cup of coffee and talk about it. And in that email, there'll be like a redeem code for a Starbucks e-gift card. And all that does really is it just acknowledges in the moment that that person has had a difficult time and then the lab can follow up with that so we want to you know we just want to keep that moving down the road for them hmm. the the second thing that we do is we have a we have a customer success team that works with our labs so they might do a survey but then our team will actually sit down and go through the data in the survey and talk to them about some of these things they can be doing to see if they're doing it to get a handle on that.
1: So it's kind of like a coaching team. Okay, here's your results and this is what we recommend you do about it or you make suggestions for them to to use those scores appropriately and positively. Nailed it. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Kind of connecting
3: yeah. all the dots to to what the information is for the labs. That's what we try and do. And and, and you know, look, just in in all honesty, we it, a lot of it comes down to time with these types of things. The more time you can afford to put into it, the better results you're going to get out of it. And, and so honestly, there are labs that might not be a fit for this because they just don't have the time to apply to something like this. And others, others do and, and and have seen the benefits. But that that's basically, you know, that's basically what we do on the detractor side. And then interestingly enough, you know, on the promoter side, you have what what we started to realize a little while ago is that these people who raise their hand to say, hey, I really like your business or anybody who you work with in your lab and you know you, you can look at them and say, this is these are my best customers. Well those best customers are probably of a type. So they probably share characteristics. And what we like to hmm. work with labs on is how do you build your ideal customer? Because if you can build your ideal customer from a marketing perspective, then you know where to look for more of your ideal customers. And so what you might find is that your ideal customer is typically a smaller, you know, dental practice with two or less dentists and one hygienist. And maybe that's your sweet spot. But it's not until you start to look at the data that you can start to understand these things. And we work mm-hmm. with our dentists to kind of help build out some of those profiles or give them the data to do that. So then on the, on the promoter side, we have an automation that is like, okay, so I, I gave you a 10, love ya. You know, never leaving you. Um, we'll send them an automated email that says, "Hey, thank you so much for that. Would you like to refer five of your friends to our lab?" And then they can put in their friend's email address. We send them out an automated email that invites them to check out the lab with maybe a promo or something like that. So we want to we want to identify those great customers and then build a multiplier effect around that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. How long have you guys been sending out surveys from the lab business? I mean, how many years of data do you have collected?
3: Wow, you're giving me way too much credit. We we actually started uh, f- formally sending out uh, surveys in, in 2017. So, oh. so probably, yeah, it was probably... Um, really Q4 of 2017 that we got things accelerated. And and right now we're over 50,000 surveys. uh, And we've got a lot of data that we've collected from that and a lot of different insights.
2: But Elvis, you bring up an interesting point in that this, the data that we Git is only going to grow over time. And as we continue to send out these surveys, what we can do is going to be only more and more specific.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you send the surveys directly to the doctor client or to the uh, the managing um, person in their offices? Who does it go to?
2: It depends on the information that they give us so who what info, uh, what email or phone number are they u- yep. utilizing to contact and what's their main point of contact with the dentist
1: are you happy with the return percentages that you're getting i know some of the, the larger dso's like Heartland and aspen sometimes they don't respond are you pretty happy with the percentages out of what you're sending that you're getting in return
3: it's a it's a great question you know we're never happy with with the percentage we <laughs> we always want to see it yeah. see it increase the, the biggest challenge that we'll have sometimes working with a lab is they'll see like, you know, a 15% response rate and they'll kind of go like, whoa, you know, that's, that's real low. And the the issue there is that typically we start to think about email a lot in terms of email marketing. And we think, well, you know, we need a bigger response rate than that. And that's what's going to move the needle. But really, if you think about the goal of this exercise, it's to reach people who are having a difficult time and identify them, those are the people who are going to take the time to fill out the survey. You've probably got plenty of clients who are just sort of like, nice day, everything's okay. But over time, at some point, they're going to have an issue and they're going to respond. So I am fine with any response rate that is helping the lab grow as long as they can do something with the data that they get back the biggest issues that we have are when you have a lab that sends their survey out and they have like all promoters. <laughs> so they kind of look at it and go, hey, we're doing great. But over time, you start to see the detractors come out of the woodwork because you want to make this a resource they can engage with at any time and then track that over time. So so yeah, I mean, I I think that there are other things that successful labs will do to increase the response rate. One thing I'll talk about and, and this is you know again outside of what we do i you know i want want to try and give some some help to people who are just trying to figure this out on their own. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you can start doing when you collect any data from your customers is to be very transparent about what you're doing with that data. And how that data is helping to grow your business and make it a better place for your customers. That's all they care about. So, for instance, I will tell the owner of a lab, I'll say, look, before we start our program, it would be great, like somebody like Sean Keating, right? You know, it would be great if you could send an email out to your customers and say, hey, we're engaging in an MPS program here. That means that we're going to be asking some really important questions of you, and we're going to do something about your feedback. We want to be a better lab. This is why we're asking these questions. Mm -hmm. So as a a client or a customer, I look at that and I say, oh, that's cool that they actually care about what I say. Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to take them at their word, and I'm going to respond. So that kind of increases the response rate. Then you get the data back, and let's say that that data says... You know, um, one one of the knocks that they, they, that in the comments that you'll see over and over again is, you know, you don't pick up your phone, and you know, I I, I hate voicemail. I don't want to leave you voicemail, that kind of thing. There's there's uh-huh. sort of a persistent issue with that. So then, that CEO or the owner of the lab or whoever it is sends a note back out to their customers that says, "Hey, thank you so much for your responses on that survey we sent out. We listened, and now our new rule is that we pick up the phone after the first ring." So mm-hmm. what what you did there is you took all this great feedback, even, even, if it was, even if it was just a few comments, right? But you've, you've mm-hmm. turned that into something that helps your customers see that you're listening, and that builds loyalty. That yep. says, hey, this lab is different than the other guys that I use who never listen to me, and I get these dumb blanket emails from them that don't you know, refer to me. So that's one of the things that, and again, this doesn't have to be with our service or NPS. This can be with anything that you're doing. Be transparent and use data in a way that benefits your customers. Your customers don't mind giving you data or filling out surveys or telling you things about themselves as long as it helps improve their experience.
0: Yeah, it's only to their greater good if they fill it out. That's right. How often do you guys send out the uh, surveys? Is it twice a year, once a year,
2: every day? I mean... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I have a lot to say about this, but Trevor, uh, what are your thoughts? The
2: way I always like to put it is we like to keep a pulse rate on your dentist. So however you feel that we can do that without devaluing, I personally have seen you know different cadences from once a month to once a quarter. I think we've had a couple people do biannually as well. But the danger of waiting too long is you start waiting for people uh, you start not responding to issues as they arise. So I I like to see a cadence of about once a month. You know, you you definitely don't want to go dope once a day either, because then you know that's when people start not responding to. Oh, a sure. That you just get feedback of, hey, why are you annoying me with this? <laughs> so we we obviously want to avoid that. Once a month, once a quarter seems to be a pretty uh pretty good cadence for still capturing the attention of your dentist, but without that annoying persistence that I'm sure people can get. Yeah,
1: we've been looking at our clients now for about two months trying to analyze our churn mm-hmm. and our rates of churn and why uh, we get 20. clients in, And two months later, half of them leave or a third of them leave. And you don't really know why. So mm-hmm. It's funny how these podcasts, you know, enlighten me and I realize you know, there, there's different ways of doing business. And um, I'd be really interested in, in talking to you guys after this to see because that's what we do. We sit there and we scratch our heads and we call them and, and they say everything's great. But I think if you were to send an email with just one question or two questions, it's such a small amount of time for them to take and be honest. And they're not on the phone with you. And, you know, they can just say, you know, this is why. So, yep, I can, I can yeah. see it as a huge benefit to a laboratory, especially a large laboratory.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I think the simplicity of it is so important because simplicity creates repetition. If you can just mm-hmm. do something within 30 seconds, you'll do it over and over again. If it takes, you know, anything over two, three minutes and no one's going to do that again. I mean, I'm I think we've all seen those 30 question, 30 point Yes. Uh, surveys. And I i don't think I've
3: ever filled one of those out. Yeah, absolutely. And Same here. <laughs> what we look at with this is, you know, you were talking about why are people churning? And one of the interesting things that we discovered as we started to talk to more labs, and also we have a partnership with Labstar Software with with Jeff over at Labstar. And he's a buddy of mine, and we talk about this a lot. And one of the things that you talk to a lot of labs about, they'll say, well, I'm looking at case volume." I'm looking at case volume as the way that I measure whether somebody's about to churn. And hmm. you know, yeah. I I look at that and I think, "Okay, I get it. That's a metric that's measurable and you can see that case volume decrease over time and, and 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 all that good stuff." But it kind of reminds me of like being in high school and you're dating this girl and or you're dating this guy and they kind of step out on you. And it's like, okay, well, that really hurt, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, like, what? what? And why? Yeah. And so once that's happened, like things aren't necessarily going to get a lot better, you know, you're not going to go to couples therapy and figure it out, you know, it tends to degrade from there. But, but my point is, when you look at case volume, it's, it's not a leading indicator, it's a lagging indicator. So once hmm. that case volume starts to dip, that dentist is already out with another lab.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. That's why right? I was asking how often you do the surveys cuz a lot of time's going to go by before you even find out why.
3: Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. And 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 once you once that starts to dip, once that dentist has, you know, stepped out on you, it's very 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 hard to bring them back. What you want to do in your lab is get at the root cause as quickly as possible and that can only come through a different form of communication taking that relationship analogy a little bit further a lot of times i'll talk to lab owners and i'll say so why are you losing customers and they'll say well it's it's price and i, yeah. I and i'll say so that's what the what the dentist is telling you oh yeah yeah it's price it's all these guys doing cheap crowns in asia or whatever it happens to be and my take on that is it's again like you're with your high school sweetheart and they say, they break up with you and they say, well, it's me, not you. I've right? heard that a few times. Yeah. Yo, oh, yeah. That's, it's like the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know, and, it's so, really you. That's the problem. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, right when you hear that, it's like, bing, bing, bing. Okay, it's me, right? Yeah, yeah. And, But it's what's so interesting is how lab owners have decided that this is this is the issue. And and, and 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 I this might be controversial, but I just think it's an utter straw man argument. It's it's utterly not true. Because I've also spent a lot of time with dentists and I've asked them the same question. Why do you leave your lab? And what they tell me is it's communication. It's again, nobody's picking up the phone. It's nobody's following instructions. It's all these things yeah. that and keep in mind dentists are not the most confrontation prone people so they're the most likely ones to say hey it's me not you i'm leaving or it's price or whatever it happens to be so you've kind of got this dysfunction on both sides and what we've tried to do with the surveys is you know create a safe space where <laughs> you can you can have this conversation and do this feedback and start to look at it and what's really cool is you know the the last part of what we do is we take all of this data and we put it into an artificial intelligence algorithm and what that does is it pulls out the key words and the key themes that are driving these scores so when i look at what's driving your ne- your nps down or negative impact on nps like price is maybe the fifth thing down there Okay, interesting. That's it. the The effect it's having is maybe 0.2 percent on your mm-hmm. on your M P S. Now, if you look at things like turnaround,
2: following instructions, I think is the biggest yep. one right now, right? Following
3: instructions, yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah. So we don't just... read anything.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do read, but I, I do hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. and so so anyway, th- what we've done is we've really been able to create sort of this data, this industry data, which, which, by the way, Elvis, I'm happy to share the industry data with you that, and you can maybe post it on your podcast notes.
0: No, yeah, absolutely.
3: You know, and so it'll give you an idea of what people, what dentists are really saying. And I think that, you know, whether a lab wants to listen to that or believe in it, it certainly provides a clue as to where they can start digging to get better.
0: So what are the top five NPS scores? (laughs) Thank you to John and Trevor for giving us some insight on client data collection. Join us next week as we learn more about the industry trends that they have learned and what we can do to improve on them.
1: After we had them on the podcast, and we were on these podcasts many months after we do the interviews, myself and Night Dental hired lab-worthy folks, and we've done surveys with our clients. We get immediate feedback. It enables us to go out to the clients and turn a bad into a win. And so we found that it's been a really positive experience for our company and we'll probably continue to use them.
0: You give us credibility because you actually do the stuff that we're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I actually do. So when they come on and I find something that I think we can use in our company, you know, I'm all in, man. So you've
0: already gotten results back. We only did this yeah. a couple of months ago. It was that quick.
1: Yeah, we um, had a couple conference calls with them and then we hired them and they did a survey to our clients. And then I would get um, emails on um, what the clients were saying and it enabled me to actually give them a call, find out why they rated us. I think it was below six and enabled us to you know, save the client before they left. So it was actually a really good system.
0: Yeah, I would utilize the service, but I wouldn't get anything lower than a 10. So what's the point? Of course
1: not. Wah, wah, wah. Uh-huh. You no, might not, but your lab might.
0: <laughs> but if you don't want to wait for part 2 and you want to sign up with them, I mean Barbara did, they have extended an amazing offer to listeners of the podcast. If you go to their website labworthy.com and put in the discount code VFTB, which stands for Voices from the Bench, you will get an additional 20% off their services. Awesome. Yeah, it's great.
1: You can use that 20% to um buy something for Christmas for Elvis or you can buy a
0: long sleeve t-shirt. <laughs> but no worries if you can't write it down, jump over to voicesfromthebench.com. Look at this episode's notes for a link to Labworthy's website their blog, and a nice sheet on the top insights for dental laboratories. Thanks, you guys, for providing an amazing discount to our listeners. Thank you. Also, for the fans of the podcast, Barb and I have started selling long-sleeve shirts for those colder winter months. Same great logo on the front, but we added a special message on the back that we both feel very strongly about. Head over to VoicesFromTheBench.com and click on the link to order yourself a long-sleeve shirt. Or as a gift. I want one. As always, all profits go to the Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology. Get yours today.
1: I'm going to jump on there and order mine.
0: And the special message on the back is kick me. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Oh, (laughs) I thought it was going to be up yours or f*** you. (laughs) you. (laughs) It's actually just says barb
0: colon in parentheses bleep. (laughs)
1: oh my god are you serious I actually guessed it holy moly well if you're going to be famous for something be famous for (laughs) it
0: oh that's awesome I appreciate it everybody have a good week
1: thank you have a good week Bye. bye come here baby come here kitty kitty